Hey everybody and welcome back to the Throwing Up Bricks podcast, episode 20, if you can believe it. As always, I'm your host Jared and that is Jake. Former Phoenix Suns star Steve Nash signed a four-year deal to coach the Brooklyn Nets yesterday. Stevie, Stephen John Nash coached the Nets. Didn't expect that. I don't know if you did. No, it's totally out of left field. Uh, The more I think about it, the more I think I understand why. Uh, But still, a dude that has no coaching experience beyond player development with the Warriors. Uh, My theory is that Durant was adamant about it and Durant wanted it. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. I think that is, I think that's definitely the driving force. Um, I mean, he had the experience with them when he was in Golden State. He clearly likes them. Um, Maybe they're, you know, they're probably hoping that he turns into the next Steve Kerr, you know, a guy with no real coaching experience who gets hold of a franchise and turns it into a bona fide contender overnight. Um, Although he could just as well be a Jason Kidd. So, yeah, you have a history of those, you know, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, guys that were fantastic point guards, Derek Fisher, but just didn't have the coaching chops. Um, (laughs) I'm hopeful about Steve just because I think he's going to bring that knowledge of how to run an offense being a ball dominant guy. And he's got two ball dominant guys to run through. Um, I think he'll bring the mindset, but the experience guy. Yeah, I am a Steve Nash guy. I hope he does well, but um, I'm very emulated him as a kid. He had the hair, he had the Jersey had everything, man. I wore that Jersey every day of my life (laughs) when I was like 10. That's that was my life. Yeah. So no surprise. (laughs) You love Steve Nash, but but I'm with you, man. I I like Steve Nash in this. I think he he'll do a good job. He's, he's brilliant. I mean, he's gone on a number of podcasts over the years and interviews and stuff and just talking to him, you know, like, I mean, obviously when he played basketball, he was, he's a genius of basketball savant, but when you talk to him and you just see his recall and how he convinces you and he talks strategy, you just know he's going to be a good coach. So, um, yeah, I'm totally with it. Um, I think it's, it's weird that it's from one perspective, it's, it's weird that you pass over a lot of other candidates that you have people that have been in systems, people who've risen up the ranks slowly. Um, but on the other hand, you know, they're taking a big swing here and so maybe they'll connect, um, they probably only have a few years, you know, given even if Durant comes back to 100% of what he was, that your window is still small because these guys are getting yeah. older. I mean, yeah. Durant is what now? He's like 32? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think he's 31 now. He'll be 32. And be 32, in addition, you so. have all these rising young stars like Luka and Tatum, all these guys ready to Giannis to take that next step. So, right. like so Durant, he may only have a one-year, two-year window, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd agree. So they're taking a swing. They're taking a big swing. And I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate the big swings. Me neither. So you got to go all in. All right. Uh, let's just move on. I don't even think we need a transition, man. Let's move on to that amazing Raptors Boston game. Um, oh, man. So last night we're recording this early on Friday. Um, last night, the Raptors down the Celtics with an OG three pointer to beat the buzzer 0.5 seconds on the clock to get that shot off. OG drains a three. And sends the Raptors to a 104-103 victory. And what a swing of emotions, man. I mean, talking about before and after. Excuse me. Talking about before and after. Before that play, I'm like, oh, man. Raptors, 0-3 hole. Why did we pick them? Why did we think they were better than the Celtics? I mean, this series is over. Why Are they even gonna, Are they going to get swept, maybe? Are they even going to take a game? And then <laughs> OG drills that shot, and it's like, oh, my God, they're back in it. This is a game. This is a series. Man, they can come back and win this easy. This is totally in the bag. <laughs> So. It's. I mean, I was after watching that uh, that shot by Kemba before, or that pass by Kemba before that amazing play where he took on a double team, drove middle, and made a beautiful no pass to Tice. Tice. Yeah. 
I was like, wow, Kemba's cold-blooded, all in on the Celtics. Uh, but they failed to do the one thing you can't do with 0.5 seconds on the clock and let somebody just get a catch-and-shoot wide-open three. You cannot let that happen. Great point, Jake. I mean, it doesn't matter if you have the seven foot four dude Taco fall on the inbounder. Like it does you have to have everybody covered on the three point line. Like even if you sell out on the three point line, you and you accidentally let a shot get by in the paint or something, that's better than the alter than this, you know, than losing by one. At least you're going to overtime then. And um, it's a lot harder for with half a second to catch on the move and shoot right, a, a running right. jumper than just a catch and shoot three. And then what a perfect pass by Kyle Lowry. Oh, absolutely perfect. Unbelievable. Dude. Imagine having your point guard, your best passer, take the ball out on the last play. Hmm, where where, where could that have been good? <laughs> huh. I wonder. Uh, uh, but besides, maybe another series. Hmm. But besides the last second shot, this was just a great game all around, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Just It was constantly a two-point game, just trading baskets. What did you see from the Raptors coming back after, you know, shooting horribly the past two games and even struggling shooting today. How did they get this win done? Yeah. Uh, well, that was it. They finally made shots. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I mean, they still didn't shoot amazing from three. Uh-huh. They only shot 32% as a team from three. Um, but conversely, Tatum went cold as well. And that kind of helps, right? Tatum had a, a really off night and he had yeah. been performing like the consummate professional, the consummate superstar. Right. Um, so that, that really helps because Kemba was the, their guy in this one, the Celtics. Um, and he's great. He could be the guy, but but Tatum wasn't giving you much. He went five of eighteen in this one. So they took advantage of a down Tatum night, and that's what really concerned me. They took advantage of a down Tatum night, where the the Boston as a whole only shot thirty one percent from three, and they still only won by one point yeah. in the last yeah. second shot. So like maybe we should come down from this high a little bit because that's actually kind of scary. Um, I mean, I'll give the Raptors credit. Lowry had an amazing game. He rose to the challenge. Freddie finally got it going right. Um, and OG was great throughout the game. He only had 12 points, but that was the biggest shot, obviously, of the night. And he played great defense. Like, he's actually been playing great defense this whole bubble. He's been super underrated. OG. His whole career, really. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, people forget that he got injured in his second year because he was the rising star. He was the Siakam before yeah. Siakam uh-huh. rose to, you know, power, basically. Uh-huh. Um, people thought of OG as the next up and coming guy for the Raptors, but he got hurt. I forgot what he did. Did he tear his ACL or his meniscus, something like I that? I think so. His meniscus, maybe. Yeah, and he went went down for a year, and then you know Siakam had his meteoric rise. But people forget OG. There was a lot of hype around the OG train, so it's good to see it coming to fruition here. Um, yeah, yeah. Overall, I thought the Raptors just made more shots, and they played a more solid game, and they limited Tatum, um, yeah. which w- was a driving force. Yeah, even though Lowry struggled the first two games from three, I don't think he think he made one three, and he struggled from three this game too. Where mm-hmm. he was getting his points is he was taking it right to the rim and using that body control to bump guys off and get oh, layups. Yeah. Using and that bowling was, ball. Yeah, he was doing that consistently all game, especially down the stretch. And then Van Fleet also has been struggling, but he hit, I think, five or six threes this game, and he hit a lot of them down the stretch. So they got hot at the right time, but I don't think they have a chance of beating the Celtics right now because Siakam is still nowhere to be found on the offensive end. You hit it right on the head. That's the problem. Siakam's the problem. He just cannot get it going. Jalen Brown has his number, man. He's got him. Yeah. Man. Like he is up in his jersey every time. I don't know why they keep trying to ISO that 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 matchup there. Like mm-hmm. they keep giving the ball to Siakam when Brown's on him, and they're like, "Okay, go to work, Siakam." And it's, that's it's not working. He can't do it. He doesn't have the handle. He turns into like a rec league or like Stanley from the office dribbling with his hand out on the chicken wing because he can't he doesn't have the handle to get by Jalen Brown. If you want to ISO him, if you want to get him going, you need to ISO him on 
like later in the game, <clears throat> excuse me, they had him on Grant Williams and he went to work on Grant Williams a few times straight. Yeah, he doesn't have like the foot a, speed. I think two or three straight possessions. And that was perfect. Yeah, he, Grant Williams doesn't have the foot speed to stick with him. Um, uh-huh. So that's a good, good ISO to get. And they went to him and they should have went to him in those few possessions. But they are they're just isoing him way too much and he just can't do it. You know, they need to realize that he cannot step up to the moment against Jalen Brown in this series. So they need to find a different ISO or they need to find ways to get him involved sort of in more of a flow of the offense, maybe cutting to the rim um, and less, less posting up less ISO on the wing. Yeah. Um, and maybe that'll get him going and that'll, that'll help his ISO game. Um, Cause it's just not working. He doesn't have the stuff to beat Jalen Brown, who is just an amazing defender, dude. Like God, it, it's it's amazing to watch Jalen Brown and a consistent offensive player too. He's he's oh, really yeah. uh, they've really risen above that. They're so close to Kawhi and Paul George in terms of the top wing duo in the league. They they really are. They are, are ascending quickly, um, and they're both like what f- six years the junior of those two guys. So yeah, they're years younger than both um, of us by far. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, I mean, you're about the same age as them. Um, yeah. So. Anyways, it's fun to watch, man. But it's it is a series, regardless of the Raptors only getting a one point win here. It is a series two one, you know. True. So, I think the keys for the Raptors going forward are to continue to limit Tatum as much as they can. Um, like Kemba's gonna go off. Probably he looks great. Honestly, um, he looks like Charlotte Kemba, which people mm-hmm. just don't realize. This is what Kemba has always been. This is not yeah. new for Kemba. Um, he's just been kind of limited by his injury this year. But this is normal Kemba. Um, however, it's Kemba and we've seen that story before in Charlotte, when you have a tiny jitterbug guy like that being the leader, it's great when he can be the leader occasionally, but it's a little limiting when he has to be the leader in terms of offense and and scoring output. Right. Um, that's why they were functioning so well with Tatum just killing it. Right. So I think that is the key. They need to slow down Tatum like they did in this game. And then that gives them a puncher's chance. And then they just kind of have to hope, I guess, that they start making threes. Yeah, I mean, they haven't shot well at all for three games. If they can get hot in a game, they definitely have a chance to win. I just think the Celtics are too solid on the defensive end and the offensive end to, to lose this series, but we'll see. Yeah, and they need to play Marcus all less. He's been, I know he shot a little better in this one, but he's just been a shell of himself, honestly. On defense, he's getting burned. Yeah, he's that not the not defensive the force you expect. I agree. Yeah. I think Ibaka has proven to be the much better offensive and defensive weapon. Yeah, I mean, Ibaka didn't have a great game in this one, but defensively, he can just, he's more mobile. He can just yeah. stick with, with these guys a little bit better. Um, exactly. So, yeah. Anyways, it's a great series. And that was a fun, fun ending, man. Oh, my God, the emotions. Um, so, from that, let's transition right into Thunder Rockets. Another nail biter right down to the stretch. This in was a completely crazy. different kind of way, though. <laughs> this was an right? insane game, a frustrating game. I don't know. You, uh, can I start off with this one? Go for it, man. Just All right. up. So for those of you who don't know, down the stretch, um, the past minute of the game was just this hodgepodge of loose ball, guys dribbling around, crazy charge attempts. It was There's a play where uh, Eric Gordon <laughs> gets trapped at half court. Um, the, the, the Thunder are down one. He turns the ball over. Chris oh Paul God, gets it, play. dribbles into the paint. Harden tries to take a charge and then everybody's bodies are on the floor and as clutch as Chris ball has been and as important he's been, he missed a go ahead mm-hmm. jumper that could have changed the entire outlook of this game. It really could. 
that was a flop fest in that possession, that, that string of possessions you're talking about. It was like they go one way. Chris Paul's trying to flop and draw every freaking charge. Then they go the other way. James Harden and Eric Gordon are trying to flop and draw every freaking charge. It was, the rest don't it call was anything. It, it, it was, was a weird to sequence. It's so weird. In a playoff game. It was so strange. Um but yeah, sorry, we, we buried the lead, I guess, a little bit. The Thunder lost to the Rockets. The Rockets beat them 104 to 102 in regulation. It came down to a couple last second attempts by OKC, and they just couldn't get it in. Um, and and maybe the most surprising part of this game, which we didn't mention, Lou Dort. Lou Dort, baby. 30 points. Lou Dort in a game seven. Six of 12 from three. The dude was unconscious. He outplayed James Harden for the most you know the majority of this game except for one play at the end yeah he joins lebron and kobe as the only players younger than 21 to score three points in a game seven yeah and the only undrafted guy i think to ever score that much in a oh, game yeah. seven. uh-huh so <laughs> it's crazy um i wouldn't expect him to repeat this but this is great for his contract right <laughs> he can always point to this in negotiations and be like you saw what i did in game seven man i could do this I mean, hey, the, the confidence. He's struggled from three the whole year, basically. Whole People are leaving series. him wide open. And he decides yeah. in a game seven, I'm shooting 13 threes tonight. I'm doing it. Yeah. 12. Six of 12. Yeah. 12. Dude was yeah. just lighting it up. Uh, it was great to watch. I love when when those kind of stories unfold. When the, the unheralded guys just come and be heroes, right? Um, That was awesome to watch because Chris Paul – didn't necessarily have it. He shot okay from the field, but he only took 11 attempts. Shea, again, the moment looked a little too big for him. Um, and Schroeder, once again, nowhere to be found. Like this was three straight games or two two straight games, I guess, to end the series here that Schroeder was just gone, <coughs> absent, was not the world beater that he was when you know the Thunder kind of turned the series around. So that was a little unfortunate to watch. But let's talk about that last sequence because the Rockets were up one, I think, with maybe 30 seconds left. Uh Um, And so the thunder come down, Chris Paul, top of the key has the ball. You think, okay, he's going to try and get like a quick shot so that there's time left in case it doesn't go well. No, he doesn't. Instead, he dribbles out the clock and you're like, okay, I guess not the best decision, but he's Chris Paul. Who are we to question him? Dribbles out the clock, dribble, 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 drives to the right side of the floor, loses the ball a little bit because uh, Westbrook pokes it away a little bit, has to shovel pass it to Shea streaking around him for a dribble handoff. Shea drives, loses the ball again because Westbrook pokes it out, which by the way, Westbrook, great defense on those last few possessions. Um, so he pokes the ball away from Shea, who has to recover, jump is in the air, passes across the court to Lou Dort, a horrible pass at his feet. Lou Dort gathers the ball at his feet, goes into his wonky shooting motion and then Harden with the game saving block uh-huh. jumps and just with his fingertips gets the, the Lou Dort shot to tips it. And then, so he tips the ball. It comes straight down at Lou Dort. Him and Harden are shuffling around and uh, Lou Dort steps out of bounds. We find out later, but in game time, it didn't seem like that. He jumps, gets the ball and then tries to chuck it off Harden out of bounds. Like they're playing pickup or something. There's only like, a second left on the clock, two seconds left on the clock. What are you doing, Lou Dort? And then he misses. That's the horrible part. He completely whiffs on Harden's entire body and just throws the ball out of bounds. Now, it turned out to not matter because he had actually stepped out of, out of bounds before he jumped to get the ball. So it was out of bounds, Rockets ball. And then, so then, got And that's just the beginning half of the series because then the Rockets inbound it to Covington. Uh, actually, no, they inbound it to Harden, right? But then they have a foul to give the Thunder. So they give the foul and then they inbound it to Covington, the second possession. They foul him. He goes one of two at the line. So now the Thunder are down two. 
They get the ball. They advance it to half court with the timeout. They're shuffling, shuffling, shuffling through a horrible play that Billy Donovan has drawn up. Uh, they can't get the ball to anybody. They call a timeout. But wait, wait, wait. Turns out one of the refs had called a foul prior to the ball being inbounded on Harden grabbing Chris Paul. And Chris Paul, ever the you know the guy who's going to complain about everything, complains to the official that, no, you called the foul before we called the timeout, blah, blah, blah. And he gets it. But he doesn't step to the free throw line. Gallinari does for the technical free throw, right? Because you get a technical free throw if you foul the inbounder before the ball comes or one of the people on the court before the ball comes in. So then Gallinari steps to the line, misses. They're still down by two. They go out again. They have another play drawn up by Billy Donovan. They can't get the ball to Chris Paul. Chris Paul's not taking the ball out of bounds. Instead, it's Shea. And then what ends up happening is they throw a horrible pass to Steven Adams at the top of the key, and he just fumbles it and game over. So, like, I, this was just crazy. I am beyond frustrated with Billy Donovan. I think he should be fired for this. Um, number one. Why is Chris not shooting that free throw? He's a 91% free throw shooter. I mean, I guess after the game, they said that it's because Gallo is their guy. He shoots their technical free throws all, all year. I don't all care. Season. And he's a good free throw shooter. But yeah, I don't care either. I think you have a 90%. Man, you have a guaranteed made free throw. Put him at the line. And then beyond that, the two chances they had, <clears throat> those out of bounds plays. The first one, Steven Adams is standing like in the middle of the key and his guy is fronting him. And the other two defenders are on the the three-point line denying the ball. He's wide open, wide open. And he's not even looking for the ball. And and Shea's not looking to pass him the ball. Like, all you have to do is lob it over him. He gets a layup and game over. Yeah, and then just just, roll to the rim and throw it up and then lob dunk. Boom, game. And then the second play, uh, after the foul and after the free throw, he has the same chance to roll and box out his guy. He doesn't. He whiffs whiffs three screens at the top of the key, one for Schroeder or one for Paul, which is an open. And then Schroeder comes off on like a flare screen and Schroeder is wide open. All Shea has to do is lob it to the corner. Shea wasn't even looking at him. No, all you have to do is lob it to the corner. His defender stayed at the top of the key. It could have been eerily similar to that Raptors play where he lobbed it across court, right? But you have a full second more. They had a second and a half to shoot it. And they don't even look at that. Instead, Shea waits for nobody to be open and then passes to Steven Adams at the three-point line. I they they totally choked this game away. There's no reason the Thunder should have lost this game. It's all on them. It is. They had they had numerous shots at down the stretch. Anything from like Chris Paul dribbling out 15 of the precious seconds they had left and then fumbling the ball to Shea. I mean, what was that? Uh I don't know. I think at the end of the day, the team who won. The team that deserved to win won the game. Yeah, because I agree. Harden didn't play great, but I will give him credit. In times before when he's not played great, he has disappeared. He's thrown fits. He's sat on the bench. He's done. We don't have to go into the numerous James Harden, you know, fails. But this time he was still in the game, even though he wasn't shooting great. And he was giving effort defensively. And he made the biggest defensive play of his career, probably. Um because if he goes home, that's the end of his legacy. He might as well just lace him up and go on Dancing with the Stars because his basketball career is over if he loses this one <laughs> in that kind of performance where he only scores 17 points. I mean, come on. In a game seven? Ugh, I don't think it's uh, a mere coincidence that a series which he struggled immensely, Lou Dort was guarding him on almost every possession. you got to give Dort credit. He's played the best yeah. defense on Harden I've ever seen in a playoff series. On one-on-one, yeah. And he yeah. didn't stop him, let's be clear. No. But he, he certainly slowed him down in spurts. Which Especially is in this game really seven, out. he was struggling from the three-point line on those step backs. And then on the other end, Westbrook handed the Thunder a game. He's a Thunder true and true. He's the best <laughs> Thunder in NBA history. He missed three 
uh, transition layups in the last two minutes of the game, I think. What more do the Thunder need to win the game? I don't understand. If Westbrook wasn't playing these last few games, like they would have locked this series up already. (laughs) I agree. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. But I, I do think the Rockets deserve to win because they played harder. They played sounder the entire series, even though they were so reliant on on three point shooting and you know the Westbrook factor and all that. But yeah, I don't know. It was crazy for the weirdest way possible. It was crazy, right? It was the opposite of the, the Raptors, where you're like, "Oh my god, that was an amazing shot." It was more like, "Oh my god, what did you just do? You just exactly. fumbled that away." <laughs> exactly. But hey, uh, you know, criticism aside, you got to give credit to the Oklahoma City Thunder coming into the season. They had a 1% chance of making the playoffs, something like that. And they turned out to be one of the the teams that you don't want to play. Uh, they played extremely well. A lot of guys stepped up. Uh, the future looks bright uh, with or without Chris Paul. It does. I mean, they can use him as a trading chip to get more stuff now because he's definitely shown that he's still a viable player. Um, they could keep him and they could just put more pieces around him and Shea using all those draft picks and they could be better. So the future is definitely bright for sure. Ooh, so that was a lot of stuff we covered, um, but we do have more stuff to cover, believe it or not. Um, we have the Bucks losing to the Heat, and we have the Locker, uh, sorry, the the Lakers, the Lockers, the Lakers versus Rockets preview. Um, but before we do that, I think we we let's cool down, let's transition with a little bit of a cool down here, using the Nuggets Clippers as sort of that cool down um, because they did play the first game of that series, and it was cool. It was calm. It was collected. It was boring. It was extremely boring. <laughs> kudos to the Clippers. I think in game ones, uh, I mean, we only have a sample size of one so far, but they tend to start slow sometimes and, and play with their food. But today, they from the get-go, they were locked in, and Kawhi has been the best player in the bubble uh, in the playoffs. He's been unguardable, putting up 32 a game. Um, he's been insane. He went 12-16 in this one. Unbelievable. He's It's effortless with him. He It's like... MJ and Kobe, but he's an inch taller and his hands are the size of a half court bubble. So I don't know. The Nuggets don't stand a chance. They look exhausted from that that uh, slugfest they of did. the series. They look tired. Especially Jamal Murray. He hasn't been as spectacular, especially now that he's got two of the best wing defenders on him. Um, I mean, it showed just in the number of players the Nuggets had to play. They played their entire team. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. everybody on their team played in this one at least five minutes. But I guess there was a lot of garbage time, so that's where you get a lot of those minutes. But it was uh, it was another classic. Jamal Murray did not go well, and neither did the Nuggets. Right? You know, just look at Murray's stat line. You can you can generally tell whether they won or lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly as you've been saying. And then with the Clippers, they're just so deep. Morris has had I don't know two or three games where he's gotten hot from three, like in this game, and just hit a couple uh, you know nail in the coffin shots. And then you guys Beverly back, who only played twelve minutes, but he started the game. He took those minutes that Jacks Reggie Jackson was playing, who played so phenomenal last series. It's that mm-hmm. they're they're unaffected by injuries to guys that are not named Kawhi Leonard. They they really are. They're so deep. Um, yeah, and I don't I really don't like Marcus Morris. I think he's a jerk. Um, I think he's a dirty player a lot of times. You saw that in last series, how he went after Doncic's ankle and stuff. Um, but he's effective. He's their enforcer. So if he's going to take on that bad boy role, he's going to take on the enforcer role, then maybe that gives them the edge they need. You know, So even though I don't like him, he's serving a vital role for them. You know, He's shown up big. So yeah, I don't have much more to say about this. The Clippers just <laughs> asserted their dominance every single minute of this game. And I think this is going to be a quick series, and that's why I chose them in five. So. All right. Yeah. 
That was a good cooldown. I don't have a lot to say about that. We could talk about LeBron being pissed at, at being Pippened. You want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why these media personalities do some of the things they do. I understand it's their job, uh, but they just kind of expose how irrelevant they are. They make millions and millions of dollars to make these horrible takes that are completely wrong, and nobody calls them out on it. So I, you want to go ahead and tell what happened? Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of the background, but I guess uh, what's-his-face Jay Williams um, was on some talk show. They were talking about players in general, whether you're a Pippin or a Jordan and, and who you are and whether Giannis is a Pippin or a Jordan, I think is where the conversation started. And, and he asserted that Giannis is more of a Pippin. He needs his Jordan to carry him. He needs to be the two rather than the one, which is a crazy assertion. Pippin never won back-to-back MVPs. And I think even Pippin himself admitted that later on Twitter. <laughs> Spoke to Giannis's defense. So this is a stupid assertion, right? Like Giannis is not Pippin. He's way better than Pippin. Um, but then, and then he went and turned the conversation to like, yeah, I mean, even LeBron was a Pippin at some point in his career, and he needed his Jordan in Wade to like carry him, right? And you know, you can grow, you can turn into more of a Jordan. And I don't even know what he was saying. Like, Pippin didn't become Michael Jordan. They didn't switch bodies in some sort of Freaky Friday accident later in their career. Like, I, I don't know what he was talking about. But basically, you just like threw. It's not an insult necessarily to be compared to Scottie Pippen, one of the greatest players ever, but for LeBron James, maybe one of the top three ever, that is kind of an insult. And so LeBron on Twitter clapped back at him and said, you know, just keep my, my name out of your mouth, basically. You know, I'm not yeah. out here playing a different series. You're talking about a different team. Just don't talk about me. Guys um, like Skip Bayless, people like that, that have these ridiculous takes where they they attack these NBA players and they are shocked when they respond back. Yeah, they're sho- that's the weird thing. They're shocked when they respond back. It's like, you just called them out. What are they supposed to just take it silently? Dude, yeah. Come on. <laughs> they're going out there, risking their bodies, doing all this preparation to, to play at a high level. And you're sitting behind a desk trying to tell them what their legacy is. It's, it's absurd. I don't know why they do it. I'm with you. <laughs> but hey, I guess it makes for good TV. I never watch those shows. I think they're degrading. But hey, watch our show. Yeah, some people do. <laughs> Listen to our show. <laughs> Although maybe we should look about uh you know doing a YouTube thing. Yeah, we're too good looking guys. Why not? Well, yeah, you are. But uh yeah, <laughs> we we've got some stuff. Um yeah, all right. So that's all I have to say about that. I just don't know why people keep doing that. I'm with you. Amen. Analysts are dumb. I mean they do it for ratings, I guess that is why. We understand that, but come on, have some integrity, man. Uh anyways, let's move on to the the actual games again now that we cooled down a little bit. Um Back to the actual games. The Bucks lost again to the Heat. Now they are down in an 0-2 hole in this series, and it is not looking good. What you got to say about that? Well, this was a frustrating end of the game because, again, the refs determined who was going to win the game, essentially, instead of letting them play out and win it themselves. I still yeah, think the Heat would have won. Series, man? Uh, but for those of you who don't know, down the stretch of the game, um, there was two horrible calls on both ends that kind of neutralized each other, but still. Make a call. Yeah, Middleton took a pull-up three, um, and then he was not fouled. He ran into the defender who was standing straight up. They called a foul. He hits his free throws. And down at the other end, Jimmy takes a last-second shot, and I forgot who. It might have been Middleton that came into his airspace a little tiny bit and barely tapped him, and they called a foul, giving Jimmy the go-ahead free throws to win the game. Uh, But besides that, it was an exciting game down the stretch. It was very competitive, but... uh, just for a team that's as stacked and as dominant and has the MVP in the Bucks, they don't look that good. And they look extremely beatable night in and night out. 
they they really do. I mean, Giannis had a much better game in this one. Um, but again, look at these minute totals. Giannis, 36 minutes. Middleton, 33 minutes. Lopez, 32 minutes. Bledsoe, 31. Like, what is Bud doing? I, I know yeah. he was in foul trouble a little bit, Giannis, and maybe that explains some of it. But he just he shows an absolute refusal to adapt these player minutes. Like he just will not play his guys large minutes. And sure, on the other side, Jimmy didn't play all that much this time. He only played 36 minutes and, you know, Dragos only played 34, but you're the freaking two-time MVP, man. Sometimes look at LeBron's totals in the playoffs. He's always playing 40 plus minutes, 41 minutes, 42 minutes, 43 minutes. Sometimes he plays the entire game. He doesn't sit like at a certain point, you've just got to play the game, the entire game and dominate from start to finish because that's what real MVPs do. That's what real goats do. Or so do what I, the Clippers do and dominate in the second half, so that you can sit in the in the, or in the first half, so that you can sit in the second half, or like exactly. the Warriors used to do. Exactly. So, like, I I don't get it. I think this is Bud showing his his flaws as a head coach, um, in his scheme and stuff. But I hope he adapts. I hope he changes it up for Game Three. I mean, I think that's the main thing. You need to start playing your stars more and stop giving them rests early on like that. They don't need rests. These are the best athletes in the world. Giannis is probably the best athlete on this planet you know just all things considered how big he is how strong how fast like play the man you got to play the man uh, yeah and i think in terms of the bucks as a team uh they need to shoot better you can't win a game in the playoffs shooting under 30 percent from three yeah they shot 28 um, percent in this one Jeez. yeah so, so I, I forgot to mention the final score the 116 to 114 the heat beat them so that that's where the free throws came into effect down the stretch and mm-hmm. um Back to your original point, I, I am a little pissed that the refs decided this one again because essentially it was a makeup call, right? It was yes, it was talking about the one on the other end when Middleton didn't get touched, and they were like, "Oh shoot, we screwed up." So now we got to you know just watch Jimmy Butler like a hawk, and if anyone gets even close to him, just exactly. call a foul. Exactly. I mean, it may be the right, correct thing to do, quote at unquote, the end of the day. Yeah, but you, you just shouldn't be in that position. Uh, you really but- shouldn't. I don't know. The Heat looked good. In a game where Jimmy Butler struggled from the field and didn't score a whole lot, they have all these guys step up, and then Mr. Consistent, the Dragon Drogic. The Dragon, baby. He has just been so key for them. He's the reason they're playing so well because he consistently is providing 20 points a game and playmaking, and he allows everybody else to get in the groove and figure out who's going to be the guy tonight. He really is. It's it's awesome to watch. He's FIBA Dragic all over. Um, and I think it's it's because this is the role he was meant to play. He's not the leader. Jimmy is, right? Day yeah. in and day out, right? And he's not necessarily the all-star. That's that's Bam and Jimmy, right? But he's a perfect second slash third option, right? Because he then he doesn't have to take the brunt of the, the glaring spotlight, but he can just ball out and he gets probably the second best defender on the team against him. And he can cook that guy day mm-hmm. in and day out. And yeah, he's a stud, man. He's a stud. And, and another unsung hero I just want to mention is Tyler Hero. You know, um, stud dude, a rookie playing 32 minutes in a playoff game and scoring 17 points, three of eight shooting from three. I mean, they're calling on him. They're isoing him on offense at the he, end of the game. Like, at the end of the game, in crunch time, they're giving a rookie the ball and being like, "You do you, man. You got this." And he's delivering. Like I didn't see this at all during his college days. I mean, granted, I didn't watch a ton of his college basketball, but. I don't think he profiled as this. He's a stud. He's a stone cold stud. And then another shout out that what makes the heat so good as a team, that mentality they have next man up. Derek Jones Jr. Played seven minutes. Didn't do much on offense, but for three or four possessions in a row, he gave the locks to Giannis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. In the, in for the sure. 
Yeah, in the end of the third quarter, I believe. And it just it just shows their mentality that when you're in that game, you're going to make your impact no matter what it is. And he did that a few times during the year. And I think that's what they kind of considered their secret weapon. They were like, oh, yeah, we can throw DJJ on him for like probably 10 minutes in this game. And he can just put the locks on Giannis and make it super hard for him. And that may give us that small advantage we need at the end of the game. Um, and it, it, you're, like you said, it just held true right here. He, he gave great minutes right there for a small spurt on Giannis. And that's really the edge that they needed at the end, right? So, man, kudos to the Heat. They are not taking this, oh, we're the lower seed. We're going to just go away easily. No, 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 no. I don't think so, Bucks. They're we're perfect in the playoffs so far. And they could make it seven games in a row. We'll see what happens tonight. God, how crazy would that be? Oh, my God. That'd be crazy. So yeah, uh, my pick of Bucks is looking a little silly. I mean, it's still possible they can come back from O two. You know, we saw the Raptors do it. Oh yeah, they came back from one. So I'm I'm hoping, I guess, for my Bucks pick. I think maybe we put a little too much stock in them, but I just wanted to respect the Bucks for their amazing season. You know, they did have an amazing regular season and a historic one, right? Um, and so I, I don't know. Maybe I got suckered in by that. And then just continues really to prove cool. that the regular season is really not indicative of the playoffs. It's not. You got teams not. like the Hawks in 2015 who won 60 games and got swept. You yep. know, it's it's not always the same thing. Different atmosphere, especially in the bubble. And I think we've also underestimated the Heat and their their preparedness coming to win, in the dude. Yeah, they are just. They're a try-hard team. You know, they're going to give effort all 48 minutes. And if you slip up for one of those minutes, they're going to take advantage. Yeah. In a league where star teams play down to their competition, the Heat just play as high-quality basketball every game they can possibly. They work, man. They they are a Jimmy Butler team, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> this is a great union here. Oh, man. All right. So I only got one more topic on the slate here. Lakers-Rockets preview. Let's look ahead to this series. We're running short on time, so it's it's probably good we're we're hitting this as the final topic. They kick off tonight at six PM, the first game. Um, what you got on this series? What are the keys? I'm I'm weird because I'm both worried and not about the Lakers' chances. Um, I don't yeah. think there's a chance that they lose this series. I just think that they're too talented and too big for the Rockets, but the key is going to be three-point shooting. If they struggle every game and shoot 30% from three, there's a chance maybe that they lose. They need to get consistent buckets from three to keep pace with the Rockets because down the stretch of games, I'm extremely confident in their ability to close it out. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm even thinking like maybe out of the gate, they just need to not even shoot a three. Maybe completely just go to AD in the paint, go to LeBron in the pick and roll. Like just power attack the rim because the Rockets have literally nobody to nobody. stop us down there. Nobody. Nobody. AD will feast. And if AD is getting like 40 points a game and LeBron's getting another, you know, 35 a game or something, we're going to be hard to beat no matter how many threes the Rockets make. So I'm thinking maybe we just need to like forego it and go old school on them because maybe the Rockets shoot themselves out of the series. They came off a really emotional high here against the Thunder and Generally, I say the team that's played less, um, uh, sorry, that, that's played more recently has the advantage. You know, the team that has the in game one, at least the team who's rested more has is a little bit of a disadvantage because they're just not in the flow. But the Rockets are coming down off such an emotional high in that game seven against the Thunder. That last sequence, James Harden not performing that maybe we can get the jump on him game one if we just power it in the middle. Right. If we yeah. just let them shoot away and go cold, maybe at the beginning. I think you're right. We just power it down low. I'm I think. Hoping. 
this game is key. The Lakers need to win this game and establish momentum. They can't let this series go to six or seven games. Uh, yeah, Cause then you're certainly, opening. Certainly. Yeah. You're opening that possibility that Westbrook gets his game back and Harden gets hot, which you don't want, but yeah, that's what you don't want to risk. You're sure you're right. Um, you don't want Westbrook to get in the groove, right? You want to keep him rusty as he is right now. Um, but for uh, sure. I, I agree. Like you said, AD needs to be the player that he's making the money to be right. Feed him right. every game, let him dominate, let LeBron dominate. And then nothing will, will encroach on the Lakers path to the collision course with the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, oh my God. I, I'm interested to see the defensive matchups here. Do they put Harden on AD? I mean, they seem to believe in Harden's defense more than any logical sane person would. Um, so I would love that matchup personally. I would love if they <laughs> shoved Harden on AD and AD just abused him in the paint. Um, but they'll probably put PJ on him, I guess. They're probably not that dumb. Um, yeah, maybe in stretches, but um, I don't think he can match up because then you're going to get in foul trouble. And with Harden in foul trouble, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. I guess it's just like if you put Harden on anyone else, LeBron is going to put him into the pick and roll. Um, like he's just going to take one of our smaller guys that Harden's inevitably guarding, like a KCP or a Caruso or whatever, and just put him in the pick and roll and get that matchup and hunt it down. And I mean, I don't care how much you think James Harden has improved on defense. He's not guarding LeBron James on the perimeter. No. Like he's just <laughs> no. not. Um, so. Yeah, the Lakers have a lot of advantages. It's just going to be up to them to take advantage of those, right? Uh, if they don't pound the paint, if they fall victim to the run-and-gun pace that the Rockets can do with Westbrook, or they fall victim to letting Harden go to work on the perimeter and not forcing the ball out of his hands um, in one-on-one scenarios, then the Rockets can take an advantage here. So, yeah, I agree. What's your final uh, prediction here? What's your prediction for the series? I'm going to say Lakers in five. Lakers in five. That is confident, man. I wish I could be that confident. I'm going Lakers in six. I think we drop two. Um, I think we might even go down two one in the series. Like I think maybe we could take game one and then relax and the Rockets storm back with great shooting and take games two and three. I could see that happening. Um, yeah, I agree. That's a possibility. I just I'm banking on the fact that LeBron is keeping that fire that he had to close out Portland and that momentum is a team they got with the confidence with Dane being down that they can dominate a team that's below them and the Rockets are certainly below them in overall talent. So I think so too. And I'm, I'm hoping that's the outcome, but we'll see. So yeah, my picks Lakers and six picking rock. Oh, sorry. Lakers and five. Right. So we'll see. We're not showing much respect to the Rockets. I hope that doesn't come back to bite us. <laughs> um, All right. Well, uh, I'm done for this pod. I think it's yeah. a good one. Yeah. I, I think we'll, we'll have a lot of good games here. In a lot of stretch of time, um, but we'll have less volume of games, so we'll be able to go into depth like we did today a little bit more. So I'm excited about that. Our next podcast we're going to record on Sunday, I believe, and so we will see you guys then. Get a boot. Get a boot from Jake, and peace from me. See you in the next one.